This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. God willing, next Sunday we're going to start a new series of messages on the powered-filled life, or our spirit-powered life is what we're talking about, and talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Absolutely essential. You may not like talking about the Holy Spirit, but it's absolutely essential that we know the Holy Spirit, know who He is and what He does in our lives. In fact, Jesus said, I have to go away so that the Spirit will come. So if you don't want the Spirit, then you really don't want Jesus, because Jesus actually sent the Spirit. So we're going to talk about that and start a whole month of talking about the Spirit of God and the Spirit-powered life. So I'm going to tell you a true story. But a young man, he was mean, tough, miserable. He was a coal miner. He was a town drunk. He described himself as the wildest and wickedest man in town. Once, when there were church meetings, he attended the church, but he was drunk. Throughout the service, he listened a bit, but he really didn't want to listen that much because he said that the sermon that was preached that day could never save a sinner like him. You see, the pastor preached on the love of God, and he said, we need to be hung over the pit. We need more talk about hell. We need to hear about the judgment of God. I'm not going to come to a church like that. It's funny, isn't it, how sometimes people outside of church tell us what we should be talking about? They think they know what the message should be. Well, incredibly, he came back the next night. Straight from the mine. Didn't take time to wash. He did take time to drink. He came back drunk again the next night. He sat and listened attentively throughout the message. And at the end of the service, he was seen to be crying, wiping tears off his coal-stained face. And as they issued an invitation to come forward, he cried, oh, God, save me. Jesus, have mercy on me. That night he was born again. Oh, by the way, the theme of that service, from the beginning to the end, was on the love of God. Was on the love of God. He was changed. His children, who once feared him coming home because he was drunk all the time, now welcomed him home. And soon the word ran around town that this mean, miserable man was now preaching the good news, telling everyone what he knew about the love of God. Throughout the month of February, we've been talking about the love of God. God's love. And we've talked about the theory. You see, the Bible gets pretty simple, doesn't it? Um, someday, one day, somebody wanted to know what, what the Bible was all about. What's the Old Testament? What's the most important thing I should know about the Old Testament? And Jesus replied, well, the first thing is you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And the second thing is love your neighbor as yourself. When it comes down to it, Christianity is pretty simple. We love God, 
and we love people. And yet, while the theory is simple, doing it and putting it into practice is very difficult. There are people that we have a hard time loving. There are people that we have a hard time liking. There are people that we have a hard time uh, dealing with out of the love of God. I mean, we just sang, and we're going to sing it again later, Leanne. We're going to sing the reckless love of God. Do you know, the, have you, did you think about the terms the reckless love of God? Reckless, foolish, crazy, unbelievable. God, you want me to love my enemies? That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. You want me to love people who've hurt me and abused me time after time after time? How many times do I have to forgive them? Seven times? No. Seventy times. In other words, never ending. Just don't quit. You want me to lay down my life for people who don't even like me? Yes. That's what the reckless love of God is all about. And we recognize that it's almost impossible to do because it's supernatural. You can't stir up that kind of love. I can't stir up that kind of love. The only thing we can do, according to Romans, the Bible says is that God sheds his love through us. It, it comes from God through us out to other people. That's all we can do. You can't drum it up. You can't figure it out. You love people who don't love you, not because you have it inside you to do it, but because God makes it possible. And because God makes it possible, not only can you do it, but God expects you to do it. You can no longer go away saying, well, I don't like that person. Well, that's not God's love speaking through you, is it? You can no longer say, I don't like those people. Those people are dirty. You can't say that because God's love is being shed abroad in your heart. I no longer love my wife. I no longer love my husband. I no longer love my children. You can't say that because God's love is being shed abroad in your heart. You may choose not to, but God expects you to do it. And God wants you to do it. And so we've been talking a lot about that. And I, I mentioned that some people, sadly, some Christians believe that the Old Testament reveals God's law and judgment and only the New Testament reveals God's love. And I really encourage you, don't believe that. Do not give in to that kind of teaching. All through the scriptures, we read about God's love over and over and over again. And he wants us to love as he loves us. So how does God love us? Let's look at a couple scriptures here. Um, Exodus chapter 34 this is the single most quoted verse of Scripture in the whole Bible. Other Bible writers repeat this verse over and over and over again because it tells us who God is. This is God speaking. This is God speaking to Moses when he appeared to him on Mount Sinai. He said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin that's in the book of exodus that god says i'm a loving god i forgive you i'm compassionate and i'm gracious and i abound notice the words i abound in love it's incredible and even the prophets get into the act in jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 it says, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You can never exasperate. You can never frustrate. You can never eliminate God's love. Think of that. Think of that. The everlasting love that God has for us. Unfailing. Never ending. That's God's love. In the Old Testament, um, God asked a holy prophet to marry a prostitute. Uh, It's a crazy story. He wanted her to go down to the street, find a prostitute, and marry her. And the idea was that it was to be an example of how much God loves his people. She's going to cheat on you. She will run around with other men. She will abandon you. She'll run away from you. But I want you to go get her time and time and time again because I love her so much. You cannot run away from God's love. That's what Jesus or that's what God was trying to teach through Hosea. You cannot run away from God's love. You can do everything you can to make God not love you, but it doesn't work. He continually reaches out to you and to me in love. Now, Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, that someone would lay down their lives for their friends. And usually when we think of that, we think of somebody dying for somebody else. And you might well have somebody in your life that you'd be willing to die for. That would be great. But are you willing to have the music a little louder than you like? Because your partner wants it louder? And you want it softer? Are you willing to have it a little colder than you normally like it? Because your husband or your partner, I shouldn't have said husband, by the way. That reveals something maybe I shouldn't have revealed. <laughs> because your partner wants it hotter than, than you want it? Are you willing to give up something for someone else, even though you desperately want it? You see, we can talk about dying for one another, but we can't even live for one another. And the funniest thing is about in the church, sadly, in churches all around the world, we have people who talk and know this scripture so well and quote it all the time. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And yet, sadly, the history of the Christian church is that there are many, many divisions and fights and people don't talk to one another and angry and they're bitter and they're twisted. Die for one another. You can't even say hello to one another. And that's the Christian church? Is it any wonder the people of the world are confused? Because Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And then they look at us and they read our history and they read our story and they say, well, that's really not the kind of love I was thinking about. When we talk about God's love for the world, some people spout hatred and can't wait for God to punish people. And that's somewhat funny, isn't it? Because the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Yet I sometimes see Christians just anxious for, for hell to be poured out upon people because of their awful sin. That's not the love of God that I know. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 reminds us 
that it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance, not his judgment. We must always emphasize God's love, regardless of who they are and what they've done. It doesn't matter what we've done, how far we've gone in rejecting Jesus. The story of the prodigal son teaches us that. God's always willing to accept us back, to receive us to himself. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39, repeat over and over and over again, what shall separate us from the love of God? Hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. I've heard people and I've talked to people who've gone through some hard times, difficult times, and they've said to me, Pastor, I don't even know God loves me anymore. Listen, hardship does not mean God doesn't love you. Just because somebody doesn't like you and persecute you, that does not mean God doesn't love you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Oh, please don't think that I am sitting up here telling you, as a Christian, you can just do whatever you want and God will just turn the other cheek and just turn away from you and just do whatever you want. And because of God's grace and forgiveness, he'll just forgive you. I'm not saying that. And the scripture doesn't say that. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. God doesn't say he loves you so much you can just do whatever you want. He loves you so much that he encourages you to repent because otherwise he will have to chasten you or discipline you. And that's not always easy to go through. That's tough. That's difficult. And he doesn't want us to do that. Elaine and I had a discussion the other night. And please forgive me if, you, if you're going to get offended by this, but sometimes we have to teach these things. Um, what is the difference between Christianity and Islam? Um, Islam is not that much different from us, really, in many ways. You see, they believe that you should not steal. The only difference is they believe if you steal, they'll cut your hand off. They believe you shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't do wrong. But if you commit adultery in a Muslim country where Sharia law is, you could be stoned to death. Uh, they don't believe in things like homosexuality and other sins that, that we don't believe in, but justice is quick, and it happens very quickly. It happens fast. happens now. You see, they are called to be judges on the earth. Christianity doesn't believe any of those things either. The only thing we believe is that one day every man will stand before God. It's not my duty to condemn anybody. It's not your duty to condemn anybody. It's not our duty to judge anybody. God will do that. That's not my task. And up until the time when you stand before God, you have a chance to repent. You can turn from your wicked ways. That's the difference between Islam and Christianity. I'm not your judge. We're not your judge. In fact, we do know that you will stand before the righteous judge and we plead with you to repent, turn from your wicked ways before it's too late. 
That's why in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That's why we come to church. I trust that you come to church not just to see one another, but we come because of him who loved us and freed us from our sins. He gave himself for us. It's his love that draws us to himself. In Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul describes his life and why he does what he does, and it really has become a life verse for many people, and you have, I'm sure, heard it and quoted it uh, many times, that we love him and surrender our lives to him, not because he's going to judge us, but because he loves me. He says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live for God, not because God's going to slap us when we do wrong. We, we, we love him and we serve him because he loves me exactly the way I am. With all my frailties, with all my faults, he continues to love me. And so I want to love him in return. I want to give myself to him in return. Love of God. I haven't even talked about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe you've never surrendered yourself to the love of God. Maybe you've never come to the place where you can say what Paul said, the life I live, I live by faith in him because he loved me and gave himself Maybe you haven't come to that place yet. Maybe you don't even know how much God loves you. Maybe it's never really crossed your mind. You, you've heard it generally spoken of, but you don't really comprehend. You know, um, Leanne led us in, um, Jesus loves me, this I know. Uh, often when we've gone to... Um, uh, shepherd's care and we asked for favorite songs there was one lady there that every single week we she would ask for jesus loves me this i know every week i'm talking about people in their 80s and 90s and i remember the first time thinking oh my goodness this is a kid's song and kind of like well we sang it and then she asked for it the next week and then the next week to the place where I was starting to think, well, maybe we shouldn't ask for favorites anymore. <laughs> but then, as I began to think about it, doesn't it all come down to that? It starts with that when we're a kid, but doesn't it come down to that throughout our whole lives? Loving Jesus because he loves me and gave himself for me. It's all about the fact that Jesus loves me, and I would never know that if it wasn't for the Bible telling me that. And today I've tried to remind you of that today. Maybe you have forgotten that. Maybe you think what you've done is so bad, so heinous that God could never love you. I'm here to remind you today of God's love. I want you to watch a, a brief video and uh, maybe today's your day to surrender to God.
You see, serving God's not just about going to church. It's about having a relationship with Him who loves us so much. So we're going to sing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and sing that song, Reckless Loving. And I want you to, as we sing it this time, really think of the words. The love that fights for us. A love that leaves the 99 and goes for the one. A love that will spare no wall, no lie, will spare nothing to find us. Is it reckless? Absolutely it's reckless because the realities are some people will still reject him. Some people still won't want him. But it's love that goes beyond anything you've ever experienced. And if you're here and you've never surrendered yourself to the love of God, you never said yes to Jesus. I'm not saying you've never been to church. I'm not saying you've not been to church on a regular basis all your life. But you've never said yes to God's love. I encourage you to do so today. Uh, I don't have the number up, but if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, why don't you text me? My number is 780-305-4677. If you've never said yes to God's love and today's the first day and you say, Pastor, today I want to love you and I want to commit myself to you and I want to say yes today. 305-4677. Let me know. I'd love to pray with you. We have some material for you to help you learn more about God's love, but God cares for you so much. Why don't you stand and uh, think carefully about the words of this song as we sing it.